And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello everybody and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 321. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois, where we've had a hot week, folks. It has been summer and it has been hot, yeah. Now that summer is officially here, we had a couple of days of of 100 degree temperatures and... Yeah, I'm just miserable. <laughs> I just hate it. Anyway, it's a little bit nicer today, so I'm actually able to sit in the studio and record as normal. But I, I had some doubts. I actually, it was so hot in here over the last few days that I actually wondered, could I sit here and record a show and, and successfully get through the whole thing? Anyway, we have a whole lot of show for you today. It's going to be a long episode because this week we are covering Thor number 400. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You behold in breathless wonder the god of thunder, mighty Thor. And this issue is cover dated February of 1989. Cover price is $1.75. Cover art is by Ron Friends and Brett Breeding. It shows Thor, and he is standing front and center, and he's whirling his hammer around, and he's shouting, For Asgard! And in the uh, swirly uh, bit of his hammer where he's swinging around, the uh, blurb says, Supersized, 400th issue, God versus God in the greatest battle of all time. And it's a great cover, I have to say. It's, it's one of the best covers we've had in a while. And let's open up to the splash page, shall we, for the first story in this issue. Uh, there are several, so yeah, we got a lot to cover. Words and Pictures and Plot are by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. Together, Joe Sinnott was the embellisher. Lettered by John Workman and Michael Heisler. Colored by Max Scheel, edited by Ralph Macchio. And this issue is dedicated... With respect to Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Lest the heavens perish, featuring the startling world-shattering conclusion of the War of the Gods. Let the cosmos weep, for Seth, the serpent god of death, has finally conquered eternal Asgard. While Odin the Allfather leads a desperate strike force to rescue the Golden Realm, the mighty Thor is left behind the dimension of death to face the terrible challenge of Surtur. The Flame Demon. And we get a double-page spread here of Thor, and he's whipping his hammer around. We got Surtur in the background and in the foreground because of foreshortening and also because Surtur is fucking big. Uh, He's reaching out. uh, Surtur is reaching out. It looks like he's going to try to grab Thor, and his thumb is cut in half by the the decrease in the page, but that's okay because it's a great double-page spread here. We're going to have a lot of nice things to say about the art, I think you can tell. Um, Surtur is saying, Run, little godling, flee in mindless horror at the searing majesty of the eldest elemental of all. My business is with your cowardly sire, for I seek to conclude our ancient battle. And Thor is thinking to himself, Seth desires an end to all life, and Surtur seeks to consume the entire universe with fire. Neither must prevail. And then he says out loud, He is gone, monster, but the mighty Thor stands in his stead to accept thy challenge and to battle thee unto death. Foolish, foolish, Odin son, thou hast chosen the most terrible way to die, crushed by my unrelenting grasp while your living flesh blisters upon your bones. And Thor is whipping his hammer around while Surtur tries to grab him. And we can see that Surtur is like, you know, a million times larger than Thor here. I mean, hundreds of times larger. But that doesn't last uh, because um, uh, something is going to change. Anyway, so uh, Thor is whipping his hammer around and he's doing an Ajax White tornado sort of thing. And uh, Thor says, perhaps not, demon. 
Before my noble father left this accursed realm to fight in the defense of life itself, he confirmed all of his sacred Odin power upon me. What wizardry is this? Your enchanted hammer spins faster, faster, raising a monstrous vortex. Why? Why? So that I could use Odin's power to grow and face thee on equal terms. Have at thee, monster. And Thor has grown to the full size of Surtur, and he whacks him in the stomach with a kabwack. And we then kind of shift scenes slightly to where... Um, uh, looks like uh, Grog, the uh, God Crusher, is is with some of his soldiers, and they're fleeing in terror. Uh, well, the soldiers are fleeing in terror. Even as Thor strikes, trembling figures view the battle from inside the Black Pyramid of Seth. Run, seek cover, say the soldiers. Come back, you cowards, or face the fearsome wrath of Grog, the God Crusher. Our master ordered the death of Thor, an easy task for the ultimate obliterator. And uh, we see uh, Surge is picking up the, he picks up the Black Pyramid and decides he's going to fling it at Thor. Surge says, size alone will not save you, godling. My power is truly beyond all comprehension. And Grog is uh, caught in the wreckage of, of him throwing the, this pyramid. And Grog is like, no, no, this can't be happening. I am Grog, Grog the God Crusher, not some mindless pawn in a game of cosmic chance. I am Grog. And it says, deep within the crumbling pyramid, the former stronghold of Seth, Grog shouts in pain and fear as the flame demon unwittingly hurls him to his death. Farewell, Thunderer, says Surt. Once you and your hated father have perished, the heavens themselves will writhe in fire and woe. And... Uh, he whips the pyramid at Thor, and Thor just lifts his hammer, just smashes the pyramid into bits. And Thor says, never. My faithful hammer will put the lie to thy words. And there's a giant scrack. And um, unexpectedly, there's a giant um, glow in the sky, a big globe of glowing gook or something. I don't know. Anyway, big bright light in the sky. And we see it kind of swallowing up uh, Thor and Surt. And here in the fields of the, uh, the, the land of the dead, we have a bunch of soldiers there, and they're uh, saying, Behold, no sooner did the thunder god's mallet shatter the pyramid when he and Surtur vanished in a glowing nimbus of unnameable energies. The Black Pyramid was the center of Seth's power, the home of his myriad sorceries. They are trapped within a whirlwind of terrible forces, which they unknowingly released. And then we shift scenes, and we are in Asgard, where the uh, armies of Seth are still attacking the inner city. We've got some of the, uh, the Celtic gods here, and along with Sif, and uh, they're, they're fighting. It looks, it looks like one of the uh, Asgardian soldiers is uh, shouting, Fall back! Fall back! The city has fallen to the invaders! Asgard is lost! We must retreat into the nearby hills, says somebody else. The Celtic gods of Avalon do not run from their enemies' tears, says Lear. No matter the odds, only a sniveling coward would mouth such unmanly words. Aye, Lear, and only a total idiot would squander his life in a battle already lost, as our war god is aware, says Sif. We must pull back and regroup if ever we are to win today. And uh, we have Caber here, and he says... Be my father's plaid. The lady Sif speaks sound strategy, lad. And behind Sif we show Dagda, the uh, druid, and he, he looks kind of like Thor, except he's kind of, he's got brown hair and, a, and a, a beard and mustache, and he's got a big red cape. And, and we also have Kaber, who uh, is, is, we saw in the previous issue, but his hair is just getting longer and longer in every panel we see him in. I, I don't get that. I don't know if that's part of his power or just inconsistency in the art. But anyway, uh, we see Lear, and he picks up a giant chunk of rock. He used to be part of the palace, probably. And uh, he says, All right, all right. I shall let her get the point, Dagda. However, if Lear must retreat, he shall do it in the manner befitting a true son of Danu. And he, he flings down this giant chunk of rock and crushes a bunch of the soldiers. We shift to uh, another room, I guess. I'm not sure where we are. We're still in Asgard where we have a, a portal opening up, and there are people pouring through the portal. Uh, they seem to belong to the Norn Queen, and they have gone to uh, get 
Balder. Uh, they, Balder fell in battle, and they're going to go rescue him. So anyway, um, uh, we have uh, Carnilla here wearing, wearing a very Kirby-ish headdress. Again, you know, she, they've kind of gone back to her original look, so she you know, almost looks sinister, but she's uh, saying, uh, Never did I think to behold such a heart-stopping sight. The warriors of Asgard and their Celtic allies are abandoning the Golden City. Seth has won. Victorious is the serpent god. And they're taking Balder away. And Balder, he's going, No, no, my people need me. Be still, beloved Balder. No longer art thou king of Asgard. Though I snatched thee from the grasp of Seth himself, still do thy many wounds need time to heal. There is no time, Carnilla. No time at all. Aid me, O queen of the Norns. Help me stop the Lord of Extinction. Art thou mad, says Carnilla. Why should I risk my kingdom, my people, when my magics prevent him from detecting us? Seth is the serpent god of death, says Balder. He means to extinguish all life. All life! Look to thine own mystic portals. And uh, she's looking through them, and it looks like the legions of Seth are here too. And they're taking out some of the trolls, and it says... uh, Look to thine own mystic portals. In the dim tunnels beneath our land, the trolls are being hunted down, slaughtered by the legions of Seth. To the north, the great frost giants are falling before the advanced armament of the invaders. Thy people are safe for now, but eventually he will learn of them. He will come. Shalt thou face him now or later, Carnilla? Now or later, and yeah, so this is a lot going on here. And we uh, shift scenes, and they uh, have teleported. Uh, they're actually, uh, Thor and Surt have teleported to Earth. And uh, they're actually teleported into the depths of the Atlantic Ocean, right next to Atlantis. Uh, we see a, kind of a futuristic underwater city, which obviously is Atlantis. Hope the Submariner's not home. Uh, but anyway, uh, they appear and they're fighting and they're battling. And there's lots of bubbles and fire. And it's amazing how uh, Cert can remain on fire even underwater. And it says here, uh, deep within the chilling depths of the Atlantic Ocean stands the proud continent of Atlantis, whose undersea inhabitants are suddenly startled by the abrupt appearance of two giant figures, battling furiously, each suspecting the other of causing their unexpected flights across the fabric of reality, the two gods continue their awesome struggle. Awesome, dude. And then, within an instant, they are gone. Again, sent hurtling across time and space. We then shift scenes. We are back in Asgard, where we have Seth, and he is coming to uh, survey the conquered city. And uh, the, uh, the soldiers are doing, like, Sieg Heils, and they're like... All hail Seth! All hail the conqueror supreme of Asgard! And Seth is singing to himself, At last, my revenge is complete. Thor and his people have paid the ultimate price for having caused the loss of my right hand. This was obviously in a past issue. Secure the city general Cheops and prepare to execute all prisoners. The Asgards deserve extermination. They are a race of mongrels. Upstart immortals who dared call themselves gods. Open the palace doors. I would sit upon the imperial throne of Odin when I officially proclaim my victory. Thus shall begin a new age. An age of death. Aye, it is your death we seek, comes a voice. And Sutter's like, what? Who dares such insufferable arrogance? And it turns out to be the few remaining uh, gods here. We have Volstagg, and we have Fandral, and we have Heimdall. And Heimdall has a huge H on his shield. I don't know if we've ever seen that before, but I think we have. Anyway, uh, Volstagg is like, We do. Volstagg, the Lion of Asgard. Fandral, the Dashing, says Fandral. Heimdall, Guardian of the Rainbow Bridge. And thou shalt not desecrate the throne of Odin whilst we live. So, it has come to this. Three bloodied half-dead warriors against my countless legions. You stupid as guardians never cease to amuse me, ever ripe for one more futile though heroic gesture. But alas, the game ends here and now. Kill them! Kill them all! 
barely have these words escaped the serpent god's mouth when there's a giant light appearing behind uh, the, the heroes of Asgard. And, and Volstagg says, What is this brilliant light which suddenly blazes behind us? Methinks tis sorcery, says Heimdall. Sorcery and salvation. And it turns out to be Carnilla and her army. Uh, there are trolls and giants and all the uh, you know, creatures that she controls. They come bursting out of this and they're, they've got guns and they've got spears and they've got, they got who knows what. Uh, we've got some weird costumes on some of these things, but uh, uh, kind of cool too. And Baldur's there too and Baldur is uh, dressed now in his armor uh, instead of like sort of the, uh, the kingly robes that he was wearing before. And one of the, um, the giants coming out of the portal says, Carnilla's spell of transport has done its work. No shall Troll Nord and Frost Giant fight in common cause for Asgard, for life itself. Aye, and let the sword arm of Baldur strike beside the flashing blade of Fandral. Welcome to the fray, my friend, says Fandral. Tis a pleasure to be here, comrade. And they go pouring uh, over the, uh, you know, through the, the gateway. We cut to uh, the outside in the city, and we have uh, a group of survivors here outside the city, and they're just kind of chilling. And uh, we have uh, Valdor, the, the young kid, and he's, he's crying, and he's sad. And we have a bunch of uh, no-name uh, Asgardians here. And we also have Lady Sif, and, and she's uh, kind of, I guess, trying to get them to, to fight again. But... Anyway, it says here, a forlorn youth gazes in despair at the distant spires of the eternal city. And Valdor is saying, "'Tis over. The beauty, the spectacle, and the glory of Asgard is no more. Nay, young Valdor, says Sif, Asgard lives. Sloth is defeated as Lady Sif. He's won. And there's another woman, she says, "'He's conquered our lands, but not our spirits.'" Asgard is far more than lifeless buildings and gleaming spires, says Sif. While we survive, to strive to fight the good fight, the dream endures. And a voice comes from uh, beyond, and it says, The Lady Sif speaks true. And uh, Valdor says, That booming voice, those noble tones, can it be? And um, one of the uh, other people says, Behold, an interdimensional warp suddenly blazes before us. It is opening to reveal Odin, the Allfather. And it is Odin, and we get a full-page spread of Odin and a bunch of other soldiers. And uh, amongst the group, we see uh, the Earth Force, and we see the Black Knight, and we see Hogan, and we see Bess. And Odin is standing there with his hand outstretched. He says, Rise up, ye loyal citizens of Asgard. Thy one true liege has finally returned in this the hour of thy gravest need. Death to the foes of the eternal city. Death to Seth, the serpent god. Yeah, so we have the, the Earth Force, and they're kind of rallying the troops. And uh, she, it looks like the Wind Warrior is uh, trying to um, get the, the gods of Egypt on their side. And uh, the, 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 the Forgotten Ones or Lost Ones or whatever they're called, they're saying... Uh, even though Seth has stripped us of our godly powers, it is our responsibility to stop him. The Earth Force will help you, says Wind Warrior. And Skyhawk doesn't like that at all. He says, are you crazy, Wind Warrior? Why should we risk our lives? We have no choice, Skyhawk, says Earthlord. Seth gave us these lives, and he'll pull the plug unless he's defeated. I should have known you'd side with her, Earthlord. What about you, Black Knight, says one of the Egyptian gods. And um, again, we get a... <laughs> it's like the Black Knight thinking to himself, the others don't realize that an ancient blood curse is slowly fusing my body to my armor. But I've come too far to let that stop me now. I'll go, says the Black Knight. And from the looks of things, so will Hogan the Grim. And the Birthlord's like, Hogan, where is he anyway? He left while the rest of you were busy talking. He's a man of action. Not words. And we get a, a glimpse of um, Hogan standing here thoughtfully, looking very, very Kirby-ish, as do a lot of things in this issue. And he is thinking to himself, When Seth marked my cheek, he swore that I was fated to die when next we met. The time hath come to face my destiny. 
And uh, it says here, moments later, with renewed zeal, inspired by the sudden return of Odin the Almighty, the Asgardian forces raced back towards Asgard and glory. And all of a sudden they are attacked by a bunch of sphinx-like things. And so they're like sphinxes and they're blue and they got long white hair. And uh, Lear is like, our foes must be panicking. They have unleashed their most fearsome monsters. These are the beasts which Seth sent to butcher my people and ravage our sacred isle. The Asgardians and others can battle the serpentine legions of Seth. These creatures belong to the Celtic gods of Avalon. And Lear, the lord of lightning and god of the spear. And uh, Kaber comes along. And I guess Kaber is kind of like the Flash. He's got some, some kind of super speed. He comes rushing forward and he says, You sound more like the god of hot wind. Have a little dignity, Lear. It really isn't necessary to shout your own name every few seconds. Try to be more like me. I prefer to allow others to speak with all the startling speed of Kaber. <laughs> but I was always the humble one. We see uh, the guy's guardian camp now, and uh, we see, among other people, the Enchantress and Lorelei, and Lorelei is, is obviously very uh, ill or wounded, and the, uh, the Grand Vizier is there, and he's thinking to himself, At last, Lord Odin has turned the tide of battle against our enemies. Praise the fates he has returned. Perhaps Seth's fleeing generals left something of interest in this command tent. And he... Uh, opens up the command tent and he sees the enchantress in there and he's like the enchantress and Lorelei is um is going help me and the enchantress is like my sister Lorelei is dying and we shift scenes and we have a full page uh, shot here uh and Sert and Thor have arrived back on uh the earthly plane again, but not on Earth. They are on the moon. And not only that, but they are in the Great Refuge in the blue area of the moon, home of the Inhumans. And we see some Inhumans here. There's Black Bolt. There's Karnak. There's a, uh, Triton. Uh, some guy with Bark. And I think that's Gorgon, but I can't really tell. And the caption says, At that precise moment, countless miles away in the Great Refuge on Earth's moon. The uncanny humans find their daily toils momentarily disrupted by the most impressive manifestation. Surrender, Odin son, says Surt. Not even your accursed father had the power to prevail against me. Never, says Thor. Though my body burns and blisters with pain, I shall find the strength and force of will to defeat thee. And says before another word can even be spoken, the two massive figures are whisked away to continue their erratic journey across the cosmos. And we cut back to Asgard, and we see Seth, and he is, suddenly realizes that um, things aren't going so well for him now. So he is trying to run away, and he's thinking to himself, The fates and the battle itself have suddenly turned against me. Something must have gone horribly wrong at the Black Pyramid. I must escape the outer courtyard so that I can... And there's a sudden gust of wind with a whoosh, uh, blows the uh, cape that's disguising Seth aside. And then we have a, a Skyhawk come, uh, come sweeping down and punching Seth in the face with a wham. And he, uh, he says, that's not your only problem, Pally. And so we have the Earth Force versus Seth. And Earth, Earth Lord is like, good shot, Skyhawk. Save the compliments for the victory party, Earth Lord, if there is one, says Skyhawk. Let's do it, Earth Force, says the Wind Warrior. You three, I rescued you from the brink of oblivion and gave you new life, new power. And this is how you thank me? In a word, yes, says Skyhawk, and he smashes into Seth, and he says, You used us, Seth. It was all part of the deal. Blind obedience in exchange for a second chance at life. But the deal stinks. I won't serve death. And Seth uh, whacks him aside like he's nothing with a kazak, some sort of like static or something anyway. He goes flying and Seth says, Fool, insect, you are nothing to me, and your death means less than nothing. And he smashes uh, him into a wall with a wreck crash. The wind warrior is standing uh, a little bit away, and she's blowing her winds uh, right, kind of right out of her arms. It looks like the, the power is coming out of her elbows. <laughs> it's kind of funny looking, but anyway, it's, it's all right. And he, uh, she's thinking to herself, I can't let Skyhawk die in vain. 
I've got to hit Seth with the strongest winds I can generate. Winds powerful enough to uproot a redwood. All my life I've been afraid to think, to act. No more. No more. And she's really attacking him with the wind. And uh, Seth says, Your power is most impressive, wind warrior, as is your new sense of self-worth. A pity that it came too late to do you any good. And he shoots some kind of a fire beam or ray out of his hand. And it strikes the wind warrior and uh, is tearing at her. And, and she, she's going, Arg! And, of course, then the Earth Lord has to, to jump in the battle. And the Earth Lord is uh, saying, You call yourself a god, but you're nothing but a crummy, self-righteous mass murderer, he says. I'll find a way to stop you. And he goes to punch Seth, but uh, Seth actually holds his hand out and just touches him. And he's like, you are a true warrior, Lord. Given enough time, I almost believe that you could defeat me. But that time has already ended for you, for all of you. And he does this sort of electrocution thing. And uh, we see that the Earth Force is very handily defeated. And they are landing on the ground. It says, then, before Seth can even take another step, he is struck by uh, the sort of red beams coming out from everywhere. And it turns out that it's the, uh, the uh, um, Egyptian gods that Seth stole, stole the power from. And they're all kind of blasting him at once. And the gods are saying, the Earth Force did their part. Oi, they bought us time to entrap Seth within our mystic bonds. And then the caption says, to the utter astonishment of the Egyptian gods, Seth suddenly effects a startling, terrifying transformation. And yes, he has turned into a giant snake. And uh, Seth is saying, Release me, fools! I am the unconquerable serpent god of death. No power can bind me. No weapon can kill me. And we have uh, an exact instant. The Black Knight is stricken with some kind of a um, a seizure. And he's going, Hogan is there and he's like, Sir Knight, what is it? What's wrong? Blood curse paralyzing me, fusing me to armor, transforming me into a living extension of my invincible ebony sword. And he's just kind of laying there stiffly on the ground. He can't seem to move. And uh, Hogan's like, sword? (laughs) And uh, meanwhile, Seth is leaning up and uh, getting ready to attack them. And uh, we see Odin, and and he's uh, across the battlefield, but he sees what's going on here. And he says, So, Seth has finally revealed another aspect of his monstrous evil. Though I did bequeath my sacred Odin power to my noble son, Odin is still the word on the way of Asgard. From the land itself, I can absorb power enough to beat you, death god, on equal terms. And uh, he grows, starts to grow, and he's getting, getting ready to fight him. And he grabs Seth by the neck. Well, he's a snake, so I guess all of him is kind of neck. And he grabs him right, right near his head. And he starts going to punch him in the face, and Seth is saying, What? You dare to match your feeble body against my power supreme? I, I dare, for Asgard, for life itself. And the fight is going on. We then shift scenes once again. Where do you think we're going? Yes, back to Thor and Surt. And they're still kind of popping around from place to place. And they end up uh, on the planet of the colonizers of Rigel. And uh, Surt is, is kind of amazed at this. He's like, ha, ha, ha. The entire universe seems to be trembling in fear and horror. And Thor is thinking to himself, Surtur speaks true, and yet my thoughts keep turning to my father, who has passed his prime. How can he fare against one such as Seth? And we see the uh, Rogelians are not going to take this uh, sitting down. Looks like they're getting ready to fight. But before they can do that, well, they disappear again. Anyway, and the uh, Rogelians are saying, uh, Interesting. According to our instant computer analysts, those two giants were being catapulted across the time and space streams by an unknown force which is almost completely exhausted. And one of them's like, Look, they are vanishing one last time. I wonder where and when they shall reappear. And we go back to Odin and, and Seth, or they're fighting, and Seth is kind of uh, 
wrapped himself around Odin like a boa constrictor or a python or something like that. And he's saying, uh, You have fought the good fight, Odin, in vain. Death is undefeatable, unconquerable. Not so, monster, says Odin. Life is the most potent force of all. Where there is life, there is hope, courage, honor, and glory. And Odin is a true guardian of life, a protector of the light. And he is he's kind of unraveling um, uh, Seth to the point where he can actually grab his neck in both hands. And he looks like he's stretching his neck out, uh, kind of getting ready to whip him off. And he does. Uh, he kind of cracks the whip with him with a aquaboom. And Odin says, Odin is now and forever supreme. Woe to the enemies of Asgard, of justice, of life. For the vengeance of the All-Father is as all-consuming as is just, and his judgment is truly everlasting. He takes uh, Seth and he smashes him down to the ground. Looks like he's getting ready to tie him in knots. We have at the same time uh, as he does this, us all of a sudden, who should appear? Thor and Surt right in front of him. And uh, they're, they're still fighting. And, and they, they actually take Odin by surprise here. And uh, Odin's like, Thor, he and Surtur have suddenly appeared. And my son is in dire jeopardy. And uh, Seth takes that uh, momentary breather to wrap himself around Odin's neck. And it looks like he's trying to strangle Odin. And he's uh, saying, You should have worried about yourself as guardian. That momentary distraction was all Seth needed to wrap his deadly tail around your fragile throat and choke your precious life from you. You are finished, ancient creaking excuse for a god. Totally defeated. Nothing can save you now. And uh, looks like he's getting ready to bite Odin with his big old fangs. But that don't happen. Because uh, we get a sudden war cry uh, coming from the heavens, it says. And it is the war chant of Hogan the Grim. And he is ready to fight Seth. And he is here. And we get a close-up of Hogan. Uh, and he's saying, Hear me, O master of death. Before one and all, I challenge thee. Upon my cheek, I already wear thy mark. The mark of death. Thy fate is sealed. Tis my destiny to die here and now. So be it, but I shall not die alone. And he has his mace, and he is just slamming on Seth with a uh, bakwak. Seth is like, aye, and, and throws uh, Hogan off, and Hogan gets thrown on the ground. And um, Seth is saying, you insufferable little insect. You alone have managed to hurt me, to fill me with pain. Such a monumental affront cannot go unpunished. And Hogan is thinking to himself, my plan worked. And if fury, Seth hath forgotten the All-Father. And um, we cut to uh, Thor and, and Surtur as they're fighting. And uh, Surtur is, is taunting Thor. He says, your father has fallen, Thor. Your kingdom lies in ruins. Within mere moments, you shall die. And I shall set the heavens aflame. Nay, Surtur, says Thor. I say thee nay, and there's a big crack as uh, Thor whomps uh, Surt Good. And we shift back to where uh, Hogan is, and uh, Hogan is kind of running away, and we see the Black Knight, he's standing there upright like a statue, uh, apparently unable to move. And Seth is saying, uh, Why prolong your agony, Hogan? There is nowhere you can run, nowhere you can hide from death. Death is the most relentless force in the universe. Aye, but life is the most compelling, says Hogan, because it brims with new promises, new possibilities. Behold, the Black Knight. He has been transformed into a living extension of his enchanted sword. It is an invincible weapon which can cleave any physical substance, any mystic barrier, anything, including thee. And he picks up the Black Knight <laughs> over his head like he's going to throw him at, at Seth. Um, so, okay, I guess this is something that's happening. Anyway, we ship back to Thor, and uh, he's yelling at Surt, and he's uh, got it in shadows here. He's whipping his hammer around. He's definitely doing an Ajax White Tornado, Thunderstorm Tornado kind of thing, and he's uh, going, Surter, even though I possess my father's power, our strength is too evenly matched. 
but still I am the god of thunder. Still do I possess the mystic Mjolnir, the Hammer Supreme. Still do I command the roaring thunder and raging storm. And such surging forces transcendeth all. And he's set down a storm, mighty storm, huge storm, huge. And it completely engulfs Surt, and he's being all blown by a tornado thing. And we get a little bit of captions here. Within an instant, Surtur is engulfed by a massive vortex, bludgeoned by cataclysmic force waves, helplessly crushed to his knees. The pressure continues to increase as the vortex begins to contract, growing smaller and smaller until it implodes. And there's like a big reverse explosion kind of thing. And Surt is gone. And then we shift back to Hogan, and he is throwing the Black Knight at Seth. <laughs> and he's thinking to himself, Thor has triumphed over his foe. May the heavens aid me with mine. And he throws the Black Knight, and it says, propelled with unerring accuracy, Hogan's terrible weapon, the transformed Avenger, strikes true. Piercing unholy whale scorches the air. And from the wildly flailing body of the dying serpent god, a flood of mystical energies suddenly explode. And this says, energies of which immediately flow back into the gods of Egypt. So yeah, so they get a whole bunch of these, uh, the gods here. And they are suddenly powerful again. And uh, one of them is saying, the power which Seth stole is returning. At last, we have finally regained our godhood. And they're all standing around in a circle, and they're watching uh, Seth shrink. And he's shrinking down. He's like the size of a normal snake. And then he shrinks down into apparently nothing at all. It looks like uh, Fandral saying, uh, He's shrinking, vanishing into nothingness. Have we truly vanquished him, says Heimdall. Or, Have faith in your own sense of sight, Heimdall, says Valdor. We've done it. We've beaten death. Like, like Valdor had anything to do with it. We may have defeated Seth, young Valdor, says Heimdall, but death? Methinks death hath reaped a bitter harvest indeed. And you look around and see all these dead Asgardians and, and uh, uh, Egyptian soldier people laying around. And we shift scenes back to Thor and Odin. They're still giant-sized, and they are uh, kind of leaning or... Odin is standing behind Thor. Thor is kind of leaning on his hammer. And there's, there's little uh, Asgardian people standing on the cliffs around them. And they've got their swords in the air like they're cheering. They're, they've got Kirby space behind them, which is uh, really, uh, really gorgeous. And um, Odin is saying, um, My heart is bursting with the father's pride. By defeating Surtur, thou hast succeeded where I failed. Long shall thy deed live within the memories of all who admire courage. "'Twas only a hollow victory, father,' says Thor. "'For all my bravado, all my power, "'I only managed to temporarily stun Surtur. "'He will soon regain consciousness, "'and I fear that I have reached the final limit of my endurance, "'that my limbs lack the necessary strength to continue our battle. "'But all is not lost,' says Thor. "'And we see that uh, Surtur is, is there, "'and he's uh, still giant-sized, "'and I guess he didn't really disappear, "'but he just kind of, kind of went... Poof or something, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Odin's kind of leaning over him, and uh, Thor says, We may yet find a way to bind him and restrain his power before he awakes. Nay, my son, says Odin. Surtur is the eldest and craftiest elemental of all. He will eventually win free of any entrapment. Only one prison can possibly hold him forevermore. The body of the old father himself. Ooh, oh my. Anyway, so uh, he's like, Stand thee back, blood of my blood. I must remove my Odin power from thee and return us to our rightful statures while I absorb the strength, the power, the very essence of Surtur. Like, that can't go wrong. Anyway, there's a big, huge explosion of light as uh, Surt disappears into Odin and uh, it changes Odin's clothes in the process, which is kind of interesting. You know, take a drink because, you know, he's, he's changed clothes on panel, which is, I don't know how often he does that. But anyway, instead of wearing the uh, sort of Viking warrior armor he was wearing before, he's now wearing uh, uh, like this really like gold armor. It's all shiny and, and shit and fiery. And uh, everyone's standing behind Odin and Thor says hammer in the air. And he says, 
Thou hast done it, Father. Surtur is gone, confined within thee, and thou hast been restored to thy former glory. Aye, and let the word issue forth. Asgard still stands. And we get a full page here of, of Odin and Thor standing in front of him with his, his hammer out. And the, the, we see all, you know, the various warriors that are still there. They've got their swords in the air and they're all cheering. Odin is speechifying here. Many such as Seth and Surtur have threatened the Golden Realm. But so long as courage lives, so long as honor survives, so long as hope remains, Asgard shall endure. Baldur is leading the cheering here. All hail the glorious Odin and the mighty Thor. All hail the realm eternal. And then we shift scenes once again, and we are with the Earth Force, and uh, they're back on Earth. They appear back in the hospital, and we see the wife of the Earth Lord, and um, there's a nurse there, and she's like, Doctor, Doctor, come quickly. Officer Brock is back with us. And his wife is there, and she's like, Kyle, Kyle, you're awake. We were afraid you'd never come out of your coma. And Brock is thinking to himself, I'm back on Earth, in my hospital room where it all began. Was it only a dream? Did I really join Thor to fight in some war of the gods? Or, and he looks at his hand and he says, No, it was real. I still have the sign of Atom. Then that must mean that Pam and Skyhawk made it back too, and Earth Force still lives. But where do we go from here? I'm thinking nowhere. <laughs> anyway, uh, we then ship back to Asgard where... The, uh, the Black Knight is standing here like a statue. Thor is there, and he's kind of kneeling before his father, asking a favor. And the vizier is there trying to keep uh, the Black Knight from falling down from the looks of it. The vizier is saying, uh, I am unfamiliar with the alien sorceries which have enthralled this poor mortal. Father, I crave a boon, says Thor. Please allow me to return this brave warrior to the planet of his birth, to Midgard, so that I may seek a cure to his terrible curse. Though Asgard doth sorely need thee in this grave hour, thy leave is granted. Mine own scepter imperial shall speed thee on thy way. But heed the words of thy father. The time is nigh when Asgard must claim its own. A choice must be made between the golden realm and the world of mortals. What wilt thou choose, my son? What wilt thou choose? And we see Thor hurling towards Earth, powered by the scepter, and the Black Knight is with him. And that is the end of the main story in this issue. But we're only halfway through. Well, guess what? For the very first time, I'm going to split an issue in two. Yes, next week we're going to have the Mighty Thor number 400, part two. Yeah, there was just so much to cover in this issue that I just decided, let's just cut it in two. It's a 64-page issue. There's a lot going on in the bonus features. And, you know, let's, let's save my voice a little bit, and we can have some fun with these bonus features next week. All right, so... Space. The final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast Give Me That Star Trek. It's ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. Give me that Star Trek. A new episode every month, only at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes. All right, so let's talk about the first half of this issue, and it is almost literally the first half of the issue. Um, we really have a lot of stuff yet to cover, and I'm thinking is still going to be a full-size show on the other side. Normally, the way it works with these big issues is they'll have the ending of a story, but it might be you know a 15-page conclusion. And this is a full-length issue, basically is the first half of this. So 
this is the biggest issue I think that we've ever covered as far as, as page count and as far as the, the, the main story taking over the book. It's, it's a very unusual cir circumstance as far as this issue goes. Um, you know, no biggie. I mean, we'll just cover the second half next week and, and have fun with that. But um, let's talk about the story a little bit. Now, obviously, they're tying up with a lot of subplots here. The longest running of those subplots, of course, being the disappearance of Odin. That started, what, about 50 issues back, back in uh, you know, the, the 350s. So not quite 50 issues ago when Odin fell down that crack with Surt and disappeared. That's all the way back in the Simonson run. So we see that DeFalco was trying to wrap up some old stuff here, and that's okay. Now, could they have done it better? Yeah, probably they could have. I mean, they really never do explain how Odin got to Seth's dimension or whatever. Uh, you know, they just picked him up out of the blue? Yeah, I don't think so. I think they, that's not a good enough explanation as far as I'm concerned. But you know, your mileage may vary. Um, there's a lot of rather contrived stuff in here. And I think the, the whole Black Knight subplot is one of those things. And... It doesn't make sense now that the story is over to even have him there. Did he play a key role? Yeah, well, kind of as a projectile. But they don't really explain how throwing the statue at Seth would kill him. It's not like he's a sharp blade or anything like that. I mean, they're saying he's an extension of his sword, but his sword is kind of at his side. It's not really in a position to skewer Seth. And so it seems like, you know, he just kind of threw uh, the Black Knight at Seth and Seth just kind of died. It doesn't, like I said, it doesn't make sense. It's, it, some of the, the aspects of the story, they really just don't hold together. Uh, the Earth Force, I think we've talked about them enough. They're kind of lame. Uh, thankfully, they kind of go off into obscurity at this point. I think we have a, uh, a cameo appearance in the, in the early 2000s of Skyhawk somewhere. But that's really kind of it for the Earth Force, thankfully. They're not that interesting a group. And, you know, the, the longer they stay away, as far as I'm concerned, the better. Though, you know, somebody's going to brush them off someday and bring them back and... Yeah, I, I don't look forward to that day. Um, so DeFalco's writing, as far as it goes, is okay. I mean, they, they actually did come to a logical conclusion. They didn't have a amazing deus ex machina, you know, kind of solving all the problems at the last second. Uh, they, they brought it to a natural close. I mean, Seth has kind of been on the run for, for the last couple of issues. Here's where it all kind of falls apart for him. Uh, yeah, we have the Egyptian gods here. They get their powers back, and then at that point, Seth's done. Yeah, he turns into uh, you know a smaller snake, and then it's like no calculate, and and kind of disappears into the uh, the ether. And of course, Seth will be back. We know Seth will be back at some point, probably in the extreme nineties. Uh, we're not going to be covering that stuff anytime soon, so we may not see Seth for a while. And I'm kind of sick of Seth anyway, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so uh, that's enough, I think, about the writing. Let's talk a bit about the art. First of all, we have some great inking here by Joe Sinnott. The art looks fantastic most of the time. Now, you know that art is sketchy if Joe Sinnott can't make it look slick. There are some, some pages in this issue that are spectacularly drawn. They are spectacularly inked. And then there's some pages that are just kind of there. They're, they're just kind of taking up space. They're sketchy. They're not good. And even Joe Sinnott has some trouble of, of making this issue be consistent all the way through. But he does give it the old college try, I have to say. Sinnott, perhaps the greatest inker of comics of all time, is, is coming into this and uh, you know, doing an amazing job. Nobody does a, a slick floor better than Joe Sinnott. Nobody does you know, Asgardian armor, the details, better than Joe Sinnott. There's, there's just a lot about, about this uh, character of Jolton Joe Sinnott that really brings a lot of this issue together. Art in a very Kirby mode throughout the issue. You can see in a lot of these pages, and particularly I'm going to point out, in some of the, the single-page and double-page spreads, we actually have some homages to Kirby. The, the poses of the characters are 
the poses that Kirby has placed him in before. So I don't know if this was done as a, a an accidental thing, just because he's aping Kirby, he's kind of using generic Kirby poses. Or I, I think a more likely explanation is that he slipped these poses in on purpose for longtime readers to catch. And and you can see that there's the um, there's a uh, scene here where Thor is holding out his hammer, and it harkens right back to the splash page of Journey into Mystery number 82. Uh, it's, it's actually is the pose that Thor is in on his first appearance, the first page. So, yeah, I, I, have, I think that these are homages, and, and I noticed them. I'm not sure that anybody else noticed them, because they are actually worked rather seamlessly into the story. And... You know, if you're going to do an homage, I mean, maybe you want people to notice it. I, I don't know. Um, you know, not to complain. I, I think that the, the art is fine and Sinnott does a really good job making it look good where he can. But I think that there's some points in here where even Sinnott is having some issues with it. All right. So uh, that's about it. I really don't have anything else to say about this first half. Um, but come back next week and we will talk about part two of Thor number 400. Now, remember, you can email the show. You can write to us. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard there, and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge to let my uh, voice recover a little bit. Back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review Send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.